Hey, and welcome back to the Local 636 Podcast, your home for interesting people, places, and things in St. Charles County. Today, I'm joined by Mark Hollander. Now, Mark is best known right now for owning La Belle Vie Cafe in Frenchtown with his wife, Melissa. Uh, Mark has been a very active member of St. Charles County of this community for the past 35 years or so. Um, he started out in banking and really kind of built and developed a lot of relationships that way. Uh, Mark is also currently the executive director for the Vision Leadership Program. We'll talk a lot about that and kind of what that is. It's a nonprofit uh, in St. Charles. He also uh, serves on boards and works with a lot of nonprofits and is just an all around great, humble, nice, <laughs> uh, awesome person. And so uh, Mark and I's relationship began when I went through the vision program and, and just getting to know him over the last four or five years. He's served as a, a mentor, a, an inspiration, uh, a helper, uh, just, a, just a great person. And I think you're going to enjoy this interview. Before we get to that, a couple housekeeping things. Um, one pertaining to La Belle V. We just released our newest co-branded shirt with La Belle V. Uh, it's a great shirt. I'll drop a picture of it in the in the comment and the links here. Um, you can only get that at La Belle V. It will sell out. <laughs> so if you want one of those, go grab it. It's a it's just a good design and, and it's a popular place. So uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll reorder some if they sell out. But if you want one of those, I would suggest you go grab those. And again, you can only get those at La Belle V. Um, some housekeeping stuff here. Uh, we want you to like, follow, subscribe to this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to, just hit that menu button and download it, share it, like, follow, subscribe. Again, that just helps us grow this brand and promote this brand. Um, and it's going to ensure that you get the latest episodes and the latest news and information as soon as it comes out. So please do that. Uh, leave us a review. If you're feeling froggy, five stars would be great. Um, and again, that just helps us grow and promote this and do all that. Uh, on the socials, we have a Facebook group, we have a Facebook page, and we're on Instagram. So if you just search, uh, I think on Instagram, it's local.636. Go ahead and give us a follow again, just a uh, way to stay up to date with what's going on. And that Facebook group, if you just search Facebook for local 636, again, there's a page and a group. The group is very active, uh, a lot of good information in there information like what we just had this past weekend, which was our beer release party at Good News Brewing Defiance. And what a great day that was. So uh, if you follow along in the Facebook or on the Instas, uh, you know that we did a beer with Good News or Good News did a beer for us. It's the local 636 Hazy IPA. I'm looking at the can right now as it sits up on my bar and what a great looking can. Thanks again to Public Art for designing that. Uh, just good colors, great design. My favorite part about it, and if you saw this part on Facebook, but my favorite part about it is when you're holding the can up close in that in the black part, which is the background, there's all these icons of, of just great St. Charles, the cities and the, just those things that remind you and are tied to St. Charles. So great looking design there. The can, uh, the cans are still available at Good News Brewing, Defiance, and O'Fallon, uh, and it is on tap in both of those locations as well. If you miss the party, go grab you a four-pack. Uh, we also are going to be getting this out on tap at local establishments. So um, if it's not out yet by the time this podcast comes out, it will be soon. Um, if your favorite establishment doesn't have it, tell them they need to get it. Uh, email us, hello at local636.com, and we can help facilitate that as well. So let's jump in to the interview with Mark Callender. I was gonna say the nice thing about having only, you know, 10 listeners is there's only 10 people that care <laughs> if it doesn't sound good. I was gonna say so, if you screw up really bad, it's not that bad, yeah. right? If this sound, if you're listening at home or in your car and this sounds bad, then I don't Too know. Bad. Yeah, we'll fix it. It is what it Maybe is. Maybe not. Um, thanks for joining me. Thank you, man. Cheers. Cheers. I try to offer everyone a drink and see uh, if people drink a beer. I think it's a good conversation starter, but a lot of people don't take me up on it. Really? Yeah. No, I would do that. I do a beer every once in a while. Not a lot. Probably yeah. 10 or 12 a year, but yeah, not too many. 10 or 12 beers a year? Yeah, about that. One a month? Yeah, I mean, if you break it down, yeah. I'm honored that you accepted. Oh, this is a special occasion. Right? I was going to ask, are they for any occasions? Or are they... No, I just... You know, when just you feel casual. like it? Yeah. Do you drink other alcohol? Every once in a while. I'll do a, like a Pepsi and an American Honey every once in a while. Okay. Do that, but for the most part, not any, really anything else. And you don't do any nicotine? Nope. You don't have a vice? 
or one that one that you want to talk about and not one that i want on the podcast thank you (laughs) (laughs) um so i want to talk about you your favorite subject right great yeah that is you guys that don't know mark that's completely tongue-in-cheek you're the most humble person on the on the last podcast i called you the nicest person in saint charles and i would stand by that uh, and I use the famous Tony LaRusso phrase, you know, tied for second. <laughs> or I think he said tied for first, right? I think so, yeah. Tied for, but everyone else is tied for second. But you're also one of the most humble people. Uh, I mean, I remember, we don't, I don't want to talk about vision too much because no one in the grand scope knows a lot about that. But, right. you know, I remember you listing the people who had won this award for vision and not including yourself. <laughs> and it's just... That, that just would have felt really weird. So yeah. Oh, and by the way, I'm one of the winners as well. Thank yeah. Just, it Which is a, it's a great quality that you have, though. So, Thank And you. I mean, I think anyone that's met you and had a conversation with you that's lasted longer than two or three minutes can immediately tell that. I appreciate that. Have you always been... Has it always been like that? Is there something that changed you along the way? or I don't know. I guess this... I don't know that, it, that I can point to any one instance or, or something that happened that said, oh, I, I think I'll be humble. Yeah. You know, but uh, I, I just have always been very blessed and I just take that very seriously. And uh, that's something that I, I want to share with other people. And that doesn't require that the finger be pointed at me when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And I think that's one of the things people love about you. And, you know, I think when we look for friends and acquaintances I think sometimes we look for people that have characteristics that we either wish we had or that we don't have and so I think I've thought about this I think that's something that um, among a lot of other things but I think that's something that that draws people to you I appreciate that so um, but yeah I want to know your story I know a little bit of it and with every guest I know a little bit of it but um, you know I People talk about St. Charles and how much they love St. Charles, and and I love St. Charles, and people can tell that about me, but I point to you on that stuff. I mean, you are, correct me if I'm wrong, born and raised here. Yes. Went to St. Charles High. Right. Where did you go to college? Um, I went to Greenville University. You moved Um, out of St. Charles for four years. uh, No, for one semester. Oh, that's right. I remember that story. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. just went one semester to school, came back, got a job, and then started working. And so I I never went back to school. So I just had one semester of college. Yeah. So let's talk about, um, yeah, you growing up, you grew up in the city. Mm -hmm. Give us approximate, like, you don't have to give me the address, but. No, I I, uh, was was born on uh, South Benton Street. Uh, my parents moved to Headland Street over in the Elmwood subdivision. Okay. Um, I lived there until I was like in second or third grade. And we moved then again. The house was, was horrible. My my dad hated it. And then we moved into an apartment for a year into the Powell, uh, Powell Terrace subdivision. We lived over there for about a year, year and a half. Then we bought a house over on Madison Street near Lindenwood. Um, I kind of always say that I grew up in that house, even though we only lived there like five or six years. Yeah, but those are formative years. Formative years. Yeah, yeah. I was there from like fifth grade until junior in high school and uh, so I grew up over near Lindenwood in the old section of town and then uh, my mom and dad bought another house over near Blanchet Park and uh, <laughs> my mom still lives in that house yeah moved over there and graduated from high school and everything was all in St. Charles that's crazy and you moved to Greenville you come back yeah and you start working where um, first got a job at JC Penney's okay uh, over in Mark Twain Mall I was a uh, stock boy Mark Twain Mall is where Bass Pro is. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yep. So there was a JC Penny in there, and I was a stock boy, and I unloaded uh, tractor trailer trucks with uh, merchandise. Hang on. Let's put a because I'm. This is not a knock. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you didn't know where I'm going with this. Yeah. I just don't. I didn't know how long that had been around. Mm-hmm. And so what what era are we talking? You don't have to give me the exact year, but what? It would have been early 80s. Okay. Yeah. That was there in the early 80s? Yep. And in the same format that it is now? Similar. And okay. JCPenney would have been like where all these is. Really? Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen like a freestanding JCPenney. Um, it was in kind of the, the, the rest of the, the mall area there. Okay. Kind of built in and then backed up to the rest of the mall. It was a big deal then, man, to have big big JCPenney store. Yeah. But then uh, Famous Bar moved and built 
out at out which is now Mid Rivers Mall. Okay. And then that shopping center essentially kind of died at that point. So. Yeah. So I was going to ask, what else was what else was there? Was it actually because when we, it is Mark Twain Mall, but I don't right. think anyone thinks of that as a no. mall. No. But, it used to be all indoor though. I mean, it was like an indoor walking area and stuff, kind of behind the stores. Oh. And there were stores on the backside that also had like a lower level that went back down on the backside of the mall. So, oh, okay. Yeah, but there was a Goldie's. There was a, a, a small restaurant in there. There was a couple of shoe stores, a Larry shoe store, a couple of other little stores and stuff in there. So. And was the other side where like Club Fitness is? Was that there or that's newer? Uh, that's newer. Yeah, that's. And then obviously the Bass Pro building right. is newer. And, and Bass Pro used to be Central Hardware. And then there was, that's where Schnooks actually started over in that same, kind of that same building over there. It was called Food Town. And Food Town was over on that side. And that was where, and Food Town, or Schnooks bought Food Town. Food Town sounds like if we're going to make like a sitcom and we just need a generic name of a grocery store. The store on the Simpsons or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or Parks and Rec. uh, Ron, (laughs) it was like food and stuff is the store. That's what Food Town sounds like. So you worked at JCPenney's there. Yep. JCPenney's, I was just like, I said, I was a stock boy and um, unloaded tractor trailer trucks with merchandise and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, one day, one of the cashiers told me that her mom was the manager of the bank at the other end of the mall <laughs> and they were paying 10 cents an hour more. We don't like to move too far. No, Let's no, no, not, no. Was, Yeah. Uh, all on this side of the river. It's on another coast. street? No. No. It's at the end of the mall? Okay. Mall. We'll consider it. 10 cents an hour more. That was four bucks a week. That seemed like an awful lot of money. 10 cents an hour and we're talking, you said late 80s? Uh, this would have been 80, like the winter of 81. So the year I was born. Okay. Just so you, thank, just thank so you feel old now. God, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry. It was going to come up. No, that's all right. So 10 cents more an hour, and that's probably the equivalent of what a dollar more an hour now. Do you yeah, think, or not that much? Maybe a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, but close to that. So that's the. So you jumped for, you know, dollar fifty an hour or something. Yeah, and so I went down there and and took a job as a bank teller. Okay. Which was uh, amazing because then I didn't have to work uh, any, uh, no weekends. We were off every Sunday. I got off at noon on Saturdays. I was off every holiday. There were only women that worked in the bank. And so okay. I was the only guy that Bonus. worked in there. This yeah. was, this was, you know, the perfect job. It was sure. great. It was great. <laughs> yeah. As I sit in air conditioning all day and, and cash people's checks. And you're, what, 19? Uh, yeah. Tw- pushing 20. Okay. Yeah. And is that... Um, I mean, now it seems like you couldn't get that job at 19. No. With no experience, no degree. Bank teller, maybe. But okay. yeah, beyond that, or having any opportunity to be able to move up in the bank is would have been almost impossible in today's yeah. world. Yeah. Was there any kind of like licensing or testing for that? No, there was. There were schools and, and classes and stuff that they offered the, to offer, you know, bank certifications and, and those kind of things within the bank. But there really wasn't anything that that really required or that you needed to have in order to do that. It was all customer service skills, cash handling, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, when I met you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were, I think, just starting to be the executive director of Vision. Okay. And you were still at the bank, I believe. This was like 2017. Yep. I would have would have been, um, I was in commercial lending at that time. So I okay. was at the bank nearing um, what um, eventually wound up being kind of like my last year or so at the bank. Yeah. I wound up doing that. I was doing kind of both gigs at, at, for a little while for about six months. So... Th- 35 years in banking mm-hmm. and did you, you just worked your way through the ranks. How, how long did it take you to get to be, cause that commercial banker is probably up there with, I would say what you want to do if you're going to work for a bank. Commercial right? banking is, is that that's the, the, the money making part of the bank where yeah. you get most of the perks and the great up op- and the better opportunities are. Yeah. How long did it take you to work up to that? I worked in retail and the, and the, the branch side, um, as a, a teller, new accounts person, consumer loan person, assistant branch manager, branch manager. And I did that for probably eight or nine years to start within my career and then moved over into the lending side. Did you like, so starting at the bank at 19 or 20 or however old you were, um, I think I know the answer to this, but did you have a vision for like, did you have a goal? Like I'm going to make this my job or did you see it as just a stepping stone to get somewhere else? Did you like, what was your, what was your thought process with that? Really? I just kind of thought it was going to be a good job for a while. I didn't really have any real aspirations. Yeah. Um, I, I went to college to be a an art teacher. Okay. That's what I wanted to do and be. Those were the coolest people in, in high school. Yeah. I just wanted to be an art teacher. I was okay at art and I knew design and 
those kind of things. And, and so that's what I wanted to do and be. So I just figured that this was just going to be another opportunity to try and do work for a while and see what happened. Yeah. I didn't really have any plans. Did you, we talked, um, off air, um, about, the college thing. Mm -hmm. And so I can't remember though. Did you have any intention of, did you think you would ever go back or? No, I, um, when I went to college, I had, um, basically my parents didn't really have a lot of plans for me to go to college. I didn't have any real financial help. And so I went because I really wanted to go into something that I felt like I wanted to do. So I went and applied and got the loans and the grants and all that stuff in order to be able to go to school. Um, I went over there. I, I think on your, your last podcast, with with Mike Elam, you talked about working at the radio station. I got a job there working at the radio station oh, cool. in Greenville. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I I tore the AP Newswire off the night that I was working when John Lennon was assassinated. Oh no. So I was on air that night playing, you know, oldies and whatever. I guess at, at the time regular. Rock oh yeah, music. they weren't yet. It was now they're oldies. <laughs> now it's classic rock. It was, you know, Steve Miller Band and 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 uh, REO Speedwagon and and Journey and. Uh, whatever Fleetwood Mac um, but I was working that night um, again just a job that I had gotten there to be able to, to spin records and stuff at the college um, I lost my grant money as soon as President Reagan took office he mm. he brought the co- the hostages home and then cut grant money it was one of the first things he did in office and that meant I didn't have any money to go to my second semester of college my fr- of my freshman year so I turned around I literally walked out of the financial aid office I went to my room I packed everything up and I went home and that was and it just I, I had I just figured that um, what I had planned just wasn't going to work out and it wasn't that big a deal. I'd figure out what was what I was going to do next. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, um, I think that's probably a lot of people's stories, maybe not with college, but just with life. Yeah, um, I want to ask this because were you, you were on the air the night Lennon got shot. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know exactly how old you are and I don't, I'm not going to ask. Well, actually I do. Cause we, I attended a surprise party for you, but I That's won't right. say it, but that was your like, you know, nine 11 for me, for my generation, I'm 40. Yeah. I remember, I'll always remember where I was. I remember what room I was in, in my fraternity house. I remember what my roommate said to me. I remember everything. Mm-hmm. And so the, I imagine the John Lennon thing was, it was a big deal. Yeah. yeah, it was a big deal. And that was just uh, December of, of 81, December of 81, I mm. guess. And so, yeah, it was a, a big deal. I remember I was at the radio station and we had had a, and again, kind of the same thing. We had a fire drill that night yeah. and all everybody was outside. It was freezing cold in December and everybody was talking about that. And I had the, the AP news story that I pulled off the wire and I'd, I hung on to that for a long time. I have no idea where it's at now, but Melissa probably deal. moved it somewhere. Exactly. It's in some storage <laughs> tub in the basement. Perhaps. We can edit that out. Sorry, <laughs> Melissa. Um, uh, okay. So you come back, you're working at the bank and, uh, you said nine years to get into the commercial lending? Yeah, I was on the retail side and, and went through like a management training program that they'd put together yeah. to, to develop new branch managers within their branch system with, within community federal savings loans, where I worked at first. Okay. And so I worked there for nine years. Um, they went under and were, were bought out by Boatman's Bank during yeah, the I savings remember Boatman's. loan crisis. Yeah. All that fun stuff. And that was kind of the start of, of the crazy, crazy years in banking because, you know, then I... Then I worked for what, five or six or seven different banks, and I never changed jobs. Just Are we talking like out. now late 80s when yeah, late 80s, like early the economy 90s. is just kind yep. of going nuts right. and money's money's cheap to get, yeah. relatively speaking? Yeah, well, I know it was actually very expensive because rates were crazy. Okay. Rates were crazy high. Um, Which means you're making more money. Banks were making more money, but then they couldn't lend the money out because the rates were so crazy high. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so when did you get... When did you like doing that? Um, the, you know what I mean? Well, and the, um, I liked being, I like serving people. And so being in the bank and working and taking care of customers and things was always fun. I enjoyed, you know, helping people solve problems, opening accounts, doing those kind of things, helping them, you know, get a mortgage loan or you know, those kind of products or whatever it was within the bank. That was fun. And I always did enjoy that. Um, and especially as I moved up and, um, got other jobs and things within the bank and especially the commercial lending gigs, those were a lot of fun because you really helped um, small businesses get 
financing to buy a business or um, uh, start a business, buy a building, buy equipment to help a, build, a business yeah. expand. And those kind of things were a lot of fun uh, because you were really then helping not only the business owner, but then their employees and those kind of things. You knew you had a bigger impact on, on that business and the employees that work there too. That's such a good attitude to have. It was a lot of fun. Which is you. I mean, that fits you. That's kind of your MO, which is great. Mm-hmm. I just think of, I mean, I, and I guess the same way I think of insurance, just on the surface, I think, man, that sounds really boring, you know, but I guess I would say the same thing. Uh, you know, I like insurance for the same reasons, sure. being able to, you know, provide a service for someone that they need and being able to give it to them at a, a good cost that makes sense and provide a value and, and genuinely help people within doing that. You know, it may not be the, the most glamorous product, but it, it helps businesses and customers and families move forward. Did you have that? I mean, I think it's probably yes, but did you have that attitude from day one? Like, we, I think so. I yeah. Mean, and from you, you, you start working through your training and getting different different skills and those kind of things within, within the bank. And yeah, I think so. Those were those were things that you enjoyed doing. You got paid for doing those things, and it was a part of the job. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing we talked about at the beginning. Like that's just kind of who you are, and that's you are. Um, you, I've said this before, but you're someone that you're, when you say something or do something, it's, it's genuine, it's true, and you're doing it because you want to do it. Mm-hmm. I think, does that sound, does that make sense? Like, that's fair. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't, I don't see you as someone who would work in a job that you didn't have fun doing or that you couldn't make fun. No, and, and I, I've said that a lot of times, even just when you, you serve on a board of directors or you help a nonprofit organization out, the last thing I want to do is to just put my name on a, on a list of, of directors. Yeah. I, I want to be involved. I want to do something. I want to help. I want to do whatever I can to make that organization better and stronger. And uh, I'm planning on me working and doing stuff in order to be able to help you know, again, move that organization forward, whatever it might be, whether it's my job, the, um, in our cafe, whatever it might be. I, I want to help make those things get better. Your watch is a little floppy there. I know, I know what's wrong with Never it. Never seen a floppy watch. It, my bezel fell off when I was on vacation. And I don't know what's wrong with it. So. We're going to title this episode Floppy Watch. We'll take it. What? So you, you brought up nonprofits and you uh, are very involved in those. Mm-hmm. You serve on... How many? Um, I mean, we don't have to count. Four boards now. Three boards. And you're embarrassed saying that, I can tell. But when did that start? Like, you know, so working at a bank, you obviously are plugged in, especially if you're Mm -hmm. doing commercial loans, you're Mm -hmm. plugged into the businesses opening and things like that. And so when did you start getting quote involved um whatever that means I, I took over a commercial portfolio for a lender that had gotten promoted and moved out of my branch and i took over his accounts and one of those accounts was community living incorporated hmm. and so i went over to just introduce myself to uh barb griffith and get to know her a little bit and, and hey you're showing barb's customer. age now too well that's maybe <laughs> um but i went over just to introduce myself and to find out uh, again about one of my new customers and she said you know Hey, um, would you be interested in serving on our board? I said, "Well, sure. You know, if it helps me get in better with them with the with my customer and be able to do that, it made sense. And once I found out about the organization and what they did, I really was was completely ignorant of what the, what the what community living even did. Yeah. But when we sat down and I started taking a look at it, I mean, I I couldn't I couldn't could not stop. I mean, it was yes. something I wanted to be involved in. Yeah. And wanted to be involved. I wanted to be on the board, whatever I could do, help out at whatever events we could do. It was uh, amazing. And from that, even though there was a, a method of serving within that and it was enjoyable to do that and I knew that it was good, it also made me a better banker. Um, it made me more connected. It allowed me to meet other people and those things as well. So there was a, 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 a initially perhaps a more selfish side to it in order mm-hmm. to be able to get in and to be able to get more connected and know other people. They were great and still are great people on those board of directors um, and people that I got to know and stay in contact with. So that experience opened up a whole different world of different opportunities and things to where I could get better connected and then stay and continue to serve on, on a lot of those board of directors and and help other organizations in that move forward too. And so I should have asked this, but what year was that? Oh or gosh, that would have been or early, how long ago? Or early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. 
So you're in the bank, you're working in the bank for 15 years or mm-hmm. so before, before that happened. Yep. And we talked about, you know, eight, nine years to kind of move up and then mm-hmm. get into those roles. And so I, I would say since then you haven't slowed down. No. Since early 2000s, you've, I mean, you're synonymous with, you know, not just being on a board, as you said, but like actually doing stuff, being involved, getting yeah. stuff done. Well, and, and, uh, we talked you know, again, a little bit off air when we first started about being connected in community and when all of those organizations are somehow connected within St. Charles mm-hmm. and you're able to get more known and connected within the, that, um, that group of people, mm-hmm. um, and get things done and accomplished it. You see how those things are done and, um, helps your community. Mm-hmm. My dad was so involved in a lot of different organizations and things. And I know it to, to him, it was vitally important that he make this community better for me and my sister. And that, that same passion, I think is something that I really fueled me and really made me want to really do those kind of things because I knew that those organizations were doing a great thing within the community. Um, I was being connected and working within those again as well, but it, it made our community better and stronger. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that, um, and you probably saw me grab my phone. You're like, what is, what is he doing? Uh, I started, I didn't finish it, but I started watching a movie called I heart Huckabees last night. Have you seen that film? No. Uh It's interesting. I didn't, I would just was, was, I fell asleep. But one of the things they say in there is what I was looking up is everything is connected and everything's important. I think it's the second half of that. I'm sure someone will correct me out there in podcast land. But um, what you said about community living and and starting to get involved in St. Charles really made me think of that because it is... And everyone I've had on when I talk about or when I ask them what they like about St. Charles, it's that same thing is that it's it is connected and it is it's loyal. But it's like it's like if you I'm trying to say if you there's so much support Mm -hmm. and I think it's it's that it's the connection, it's the support and it's the wanting other people wanting to see other people succeed. But I think that comes out of it being connected Mm -hmm. because you have a, you have a vested interest in community living and Sparrow's Nest and vision and all these things. And, you know, it's, we're still such a small community really when you look at it. I mean, St. Charles is big, but, um, that it is all connected. There are tons of helps within the community, a lot of different ways to be able to get in and involved and ways for people to be undergirded and supported. And those organizations do that in so many different ways in order to make our whole community better and stronger. Yeah. And so that's going to lead me naturally to vision. Mm-hmm. And I would guess, um, knowing my audience, maybe some of them know what it is, but can you give me the 30 second commercial for what vision is not commercial, but just sure. No, it's a, um, a nine month experience that allows people to experience what goes on in the community so that they can know best how to get connected into the community. It is, um, um, a a nine month adventure that that we, um, take applications for and then choose individuals to be able to participate within the program. But spending nine months, um, saturated within your community in order to know what's going on again so that you can then best step into and become involved in an area that means the most to you and that's way better than how i describe it to people which is good that's why i always ask you to do it i say some of those things and i say it's kind of like going on a field trip as an adult which right maybe sounds more fun but you know but yeah okay so so take me from like, I know that's connected, right? Mm-hmm. I know that's connected with you getting on the board. So how did you get, when did you go through this vision program and how did you get connected to there? I, I went through in 2012. Um, I was working for UMB Bank at the time. My boss asked me if I would um, uh, show the, or be the representative for the bank at someone else's graduation from vision. Oh. I had never even heard of the program at all before. And I went and attended the 2011 graduation ceremony as a representative from UMB 
B for another em uh, employee of the bank. And when I finished that graduation, I went back back to work the next day, and I went to my boss and I said, I want to do that next year. I could tell just from the people that had gone through it that it was something that was really cool. People were excited about it. They were uh, there was a real buzz in the in the, in the graduation, and I knew that it was something I wanted to go back and do. So I applied and then participated in twelve. I'm surprised you said twelve. I would have thought it would be much closer to when you started doing like the board stuff because I don't know when Barb went through or anything. But. Yeah, I I didn't really know. Kevin Desane was um, a participant in early 2000s, and he was on the board of directors of Community Living, and he had mentioned it to me a couple of times. And I said, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about it and really yeah. had heard about it or whatever. But um, I found out about it really much more in depth than when I went to that graduation ceremony. Okay. And how did that, um, how did that change your banking career? How did that change your service? All that stuff. And again, the, the, you talk about going on field trips and really that's kind of what I thought that it would be a lot of fun. I was a lifelong St. Charles city resident and I thought it'd be a lot of fun to go on those, those field trips. Um, because then I could share my vast knowledge with all of the poor people. Oh, you were going to be the, you oh, were going to take over. I was going to, you know, let them know all of the great things that were going on in St. Charles yeah. and, uh, started going on the, the program days and then was quickly humbled. There was hundreds of things that were going on and I was meeting people that I didn't know and had no clue about the way the, the inner workings of what the, what happened within the community. And you had been in banking for, uh, let's see, 25 years Close, or so yeah. Yeah, push at that point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, most of my career though, um, and even though I'd worked some in St. Charles, mostly had been in North County oh, okay. and in Florissant. I'd been at Webster Groves for a few years and those kind of things. So, and, and most of my early years in banking was spent in St. Louis County. Okay. And so coming back to St. Charles was in 99, 2000, something okay. like that. And so, um, didn't really know a whole lot about that. wasn't really connected in the chambers. Didn't have a whole lot of connection there. So vision that got me more involved in, in that side of it. And now, and UMB has been a kind of a constant participant mm -hmm. in, was it just that the other banks you worked for didn't have like that presence in vision or? I guess, yeah, okay. I just really didn't have a, um, that, that chamber connection or whatever and UMB did. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you don't know what vision is and you are a business professional, if you work for a nonprofit, if you are what well, I would say anything, right? Yeah, really. Just if you want to get plugged into St. Charles, if you want to know how St. Charles works, if you want to know the people that make St. Charles work, uh, vision is, I can't say enough about it. No, great, I mean, it, great opportunity, really. It, uh, it changed the way it changed. I, you know, I think people throw around, like it changed my life mm -hmm. with like really I don't want to say call other people's stuff silly, but you know, like this book changed my life or this. And I, that's true. I'm sure. But I mean, I would say vision changed my life because it changed my career. It changed the way I do business. Um, it, it has greatly impacted me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, okay. So you go through the, the vision program in 2012, you immediately get involved in that? Um, I was chosen my class representative, so then okay. I jumped onto the board for a three-year term. Okay. Um, at the time, the board was going through um, not turmoil necessarily, but a lot of unorganization, disorganization. It was yeah. um, there was a lot of um, when the new the new chairperson would take over, pretty much everything changed every year, mm. and so it was very frustrating in those early years. We were trying to do things and get things organized um, when when I first went on the board, probably 13, 14, the, that time frame. Mm -hmm. Um, as so that for reference for people, the like nonprofits have what's called an executive director mm -hmm. and for a nonprofit, they are, uh, the board of directors is, is actually kind of oversees their job mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Now right. the executive director runs the program and runs the nonprofit, but the board of directors kind of oversees that much like a boss would right. for, you know, for that world. Um, and I think we did not vision did not have an executive director no, at that time. So no. it was just, it was in, it was up to the board and the board chair to run the program, which I'm the board chair this year. And that sounds just awful. <laughs> Well, it, it, it just didn't build any continuity. You know, every year, everything yeah. changed. Yeah. I don't mean, I just mean for that reason. I don't right. mean like, I would just, right. yeah. You have, you're starting at scratch every, every year. year. There's no, I mean, I would say probably very little accountability. Mm -hmm. 
um, no uniform, no, right. no nothing. Okay. So no, I, I stepped on, I was on for a couple of years. I became, um, the chairperson. I, I ran the program for a year, stepped off. We had another person that came in, um, as chairperson. Um, uh, she resigned. I stepped in and then fulfilled that term, um, and did that for a few years and stuff. Vision became kind of that, um, that, that additional piece for me that really not only was a, a nonprofit organization, but it, it bettered community yeah. and was we, every year you got to see 25, 35 people go through the program and people that you would launch into the community that would all become actively involved mm. in some capacity. And that was, I mean, there was a real charge in doing that, you know, yeah. watching other people and I'm going to run for office. I'm going to do this. I got promoted, uh, whatever it was. It was a lot of, a lot of really um, uh, gratifying pieces that you got to see a lot of people really become genuinely involved and, and then have a great impact on the community. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that is, that is cool to see people come in and not really know anything and you kind of see them feel their way around and then yeah and then they take off yeah that is neat um so you're on the board you're involved uh when because i think this was right around the time i started in the class which was i think 16 17 okay that's about right is when is when you got moved into the executive director i know there was some other things there but skip over that but you essentially got hired into the executive director role at that point now the um the the program had talked for years and way many more years before i had been involved about the opportunity to try and hire in an executive director have someone be the face of the organization we had talked for years about the chance of of and being able to afford someone to be able to fill that role and so board at the at the time i was looking to um i'm going through some health stuff and so the i was looking to retire from the bank and the board came to me and said would you be interested in doing this maybe on a part-time basis would you do that or would you be able to go to the bank and find out if they would allow you to do this on a part-time basis along with what you do at the bank so that's kind of how that the process got started this uh can we talk this timeline is a little Mency, I wasn't, I didn't know you during this. Mm-hmm. And so when you said health stuff, can we talk about that? Sure. You had skin cancer. Right. And you're, you're good. Good now. You, and, yes. uh, you know, every time you go in for a checkup, you post it and you're, you're good. Right. Haven't had any issues now for five years now. Okay. Yeah. But that was going, you were going to retire because of that or just... I got a pretty bad diagnosis. I mean, I got um, a stage four malignant melanoma. Um, it was in my lymph nodes. Doctors basically said that um, if they didn't do anything, um, I had a year to live. And so, um, I, you know, suddenly your your desire to um, make your quarterly goal in commercial lending kind of went away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't really just not that I can't say I didn't care, but even for you, I, even the person that wants to help and cares the most about other people, I just didn't want to do it anymore yeah and I, my, um, honestly I said to my boss I said if if I can get out of the bank let me go um, find a nonprofit I'll work for the next year for some nonprofit I would rather do that spend time with my family and do those kind of things if I only had a year to go um, so we tried um, I did two rounds of chemotherapy um, that did not work the chemotherapy attacked my liver rather than the cancer so it put me into liver failure I had to go through a bunch of a uh, bunch of stuff trying to get my liver to function again and go through steroid treatments and all that kind of stuff that was crazy for a while about six months of trying to get my liver function back up in order to be strong enough and stable enough to be able to try some other treatment then they tried an immunotherapy on me you've probably heard of um, Opdivo and your boy they do commercials for it all the time on on TV now but it's a it's advertised as a uh, small cell lung cancer treatment um, so they wanted to try that immunotherapy on the melanoma it was in clinical trial at the time so they went ahead and tried that on me i did about um six or eight rounds of the immunotherapy which is way 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 less invasive than than chemo is but the egg-sized tumor that was in my lymph nodes shrunk to the size of a grape and then disappeared and so the the experimental treatment completely worked on the uh, on the cancer completely took it away i did 41 rounds of that treatment which means what you went 41 times 41 times i did every other wednesday for almost two two years years. yeah wow yeah and so i was doing that while i was at the bank 
and then also then when I first started then as executive director within Vision as well. I was doing that and going through that process. I was a part-time employee for Vision for about three or four months and started getting into the weeds a little bit and realized you know the organization that I could bring and what I thought the impact I could do. So I came back to the board and said, would you be willing to put me on full-time rather than part-time? And if you'll do that, I will do whatever I can do to, to raise through sponsorships enough to be able to cover my additional salary. That would allow me to be able to, to fully retire from the bank and step away from it and dedicate my time then fully to, to the program. And this is, you were clear of, at this point you were, you were healthy? Uh, physically, I, I really never went through any real period of time where I was sick mm. um, or unable to function and things. When I went in and did treatments, I had two or three or four days of feeling pretty crappy. Yeah. Beyond that, I would have 10 or 11 really good days. So but you didn't think you were going to die. Once once we started realizing that the treatments were working, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, was, I, I knew that there was going to be at least a way, way, way longer time than, hey, you got a year to go. And why not go back into banking? I just, again, I wanted to, to stay connected in the community. The the vision program had become much more important to me than personally. Hmm. My other activities and, and involvements within other organizations and other nonprofits, again, was way, way more important to me than trying to have a job or a career. And I knew that I could do that and have the same kind of feelings and, and impact working within the nonprofit world and do that within the vision program and other organizations. Was that... I mean, even though you were quote unquote healthy and you, you didn't have that, you know, death sentence, Mm -hmm. was there still some sense of mortality there? And, oh yeah. I mean, yeah, you have a, you know, as, as, as weird as it sounds, I mean, you, you plan your own funeral, you go through all of those weird, weird feelings. I would, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and then you can't shut your brain off because you're, you're wondering about, you know, is, is it growing? Is it changing? Is something moving? Is it, you know, my, I, uh, you know, my, my arm hurts now or I've got a headache. Maybe I got a brain tumor today. Mm. You know, your mind goes through a lot of really, really weird mind games and stuff. And you're going through any of the cancer treatments. You just don't know what's going on inside your body. You think you do. But then you you pray for that next scan, that next scan that gets ready to come up. You you hope then you can go in and get an all clear. It's not any place else. You don't have it anywhere else. It's not spread. Um, the tumor's getting smaller. That's good. You'd, you'd wait for all of those little signs and those those mile markers in order to be able to keep trudging forward. Wow. And so it's yeah. I mean, it's just realizing that even though it's not even though it's going to be longer than a year, you have a. You have an expiration date. You, yeah, you, you know, you live kind of every three months until you get the next scan. Until yeah. You get the next. You're okay. You can keep going, and then you kind of get the scan. Everything feels good. You breathe a big sigh of relief, and then you kind of go through, and you're kind of a month into it, and then you realize you've only really only got 60 more days till you got to get another scan, hmm. and what's going on with with the cancer. It's like you can never it. like rest or be no. comfortable. No. No, it's an all-consuming thing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's something that um, it, it consumes all of your thoughts, all of your decisions, your plans, your goals, everything. It, it consumes yeah. a lot of that. And everyone has an expiration date, but sure. it's just something that most people don't think about no. every day or every three months or, right. you know, but I, I guess when you're in that state, you think about it. Mm-hmm. And so wanting to do something, I don't want to say more I mean, is it more purposeful? I don't know. It means more to you. Felt that way. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't, who's to say you have a, a it's a different impact for mm-hmm. sure, but um, bigger impact on me. Good. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So you move full time into into vision. We've talked a lot about vision. I don't know if people are going to fast forward through this. I mean, it's really interesting to me because I went through it and then the, you know, current uh, board chair, but I just can't talk enough about the great things it did for me. But I think um, how most people know you now mm-hmm. is La Belle Vie. La Cafe, yeah. I and so. so let's talk about that. Okay. Let's talk about how, because um, I mean, all, I, I want to know all that, and everyone wants to know all that other stuff, but I mean, it's kind of like, you know, with me with insurance, with this local 636 thing now, like nobody wants to talk to me about farmers and you know, it's not, I don't really want to, I love it. And it's, it's doing, it's great. I love doing that job. Uh, but 
yeah, I think like your passion is, is probably is it's more fun to do this, right? Well, definitely, definitely a different connection. You yeah. Know, the, the community connections that I've gained through nonprofit organizations and vision. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be a liar if I, if I didn't say that those have helped tremendously in the opportunity to be able to get this cafe up and going. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's actually back up and let's talk about, I talk a lot about Frenchtown on this podcast, obviously, but let's talk about Frenchtown mm-hmm. and, and like your, um, your relationship to Frenchtown, even growing up here through, you know, three years. How long is it? About Cafe eight, been eighteen, nineteen months now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, what what was what was Frenchtown like in the back in the day? Frenchtown was the rough part of town. Okay. I mean, you know, it was um, uh, if you had something wrong with your car. Oh sure. Go to get your car worked on. Yeah. You or know, need a new car. Or need a new. Or car. not a new car, but a used car. A used car. A um, you need your transmission done. You need your brakes worked on. Then you could go down Second Street and find a place to you know fix your radiator or whatever yeah. on Second Street. And if you this know. place was too much, you go next door. The one. And if that place. was too much, you go. <laughs> yeah. And it got significantly rougher as you went further north. Um, yeah. My um, my dad grew up on North Fourth Street, and my mom grew up on Clark, and so this was uh, in French area was kind of where we would always go and hang out whenever we'd go see my grandparents. So they were both kind of in that same neighborhood and same area. So whenever we would go there, that's where we would go get something to eat. We'd go get a six pack of beer, whatever it might be. And that's where we hung out. And for people, again, for people listening that maybe aren't familiar with Frenchtown or St. Charles City, you know, even the streets you mentioned at the beginning, we're talking blocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when you say your dad grew up on North 4th and your mom on Clark, and then you go to Frenchtown, we're talking a total of like six blocks, six blocks difference. Probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, less than. Less it's than just funny to hear. We go over here and hang out. We're like, oh, right. you'd go, you'd walk two blocks over there. Exactly. Um, and so, okay. And so, well, help me with this too, because this is something that comes up. Frogtown. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the area north of 370, or is that just another name for Frenchtown, or what's your understanding of that? When I was a kid, North North Enders or the Frogtown was how people on that side in the Frenchtown area how they were referred to. So interchangeable. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I had, I just had heard that it's the area north of 370. Um, I think it's more it's, more the kind of near Tecumseh. Uh, it's kind of the the area that I always kind of thought was okay. Frogtown. So again, we're talking a block, yeah, just yeah, a block another, further north. No, four, <laughs> yeah, three or four blocks. Yeah, exactly. And is that a um, was that derogatory? Uh, somewhat. Okay. And it was it was again kind of the rougher neighborhood. There was yeah. The, the tougher people and stuff lived in Frogtown. It was a, a a more way more of a blue collar area, um, a, a different demographic, I guess, as you refer to it now. Mm-hmm. But it was. Um, lower income and it seemed to be that's where the rougher people lived any any idea how Frogtown came about like the name I had I'd heard that there was you know way back in you know the the French settler days that there was a, a, a pond back there and that's where the frogs would croak and they would call it Frogtown that was part of the, at least what I had heard from interesting that. okay I mean it makes sense yeah, yeah it seems it's like what's that Occam's razor the the easiest explanation is yeah. most normally it. What it would oh, be, right? yeah. yeah so Okay. Uh, okay. And then, so, um, was it ever, I know the A and W was there mm-hmm. and I remember even, I grew up in Hazelwood and I remember my dad bringing me out to the A and W cause that was a cool thing. It was like, it was like a cool drive through and we didn't really have anything like that. Uh, but I couldn't have told you at that time where it was. Yeah. I just knew it was in St. Charles. Was there anything else in Frenchtown? Did it? The Dairy Queen. There Dairy Queen. Dairy okay. Queen. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the hair salon now. Right. That Dairy Queen, uh, the A&W, there was a Bales Ballpark down further, further north. Sure. Closer on the, the South River Road. Which is still, uh, still down there. Still a park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there were a couple of ball fields down there and I played a lot of softball and stuff. And so we'd go down there and play ball and then stop at A&W on the way back and get, get something to eat or, you know, get a, a, a jug of root beer or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. But that was it. Yep. So then tell me, you know, you grew up with it like that and it being the rough part of town. How did, um, let's see how I want to word this. Well, I guess, yeah, just walk me through like wanting to do a cafe, wanting to put it there. Mm-hmm. What's that story? When did that start? Give, give me that and I'll yeah, interrupt my, you six times. My wife, Melissa, and I have been talking for probably seven or eight years about wanting to create something in town where people would gather. Mm-hmm. Um, we had talked about a wedding venue 
<clears throat> we had talked about a, um, a co-op working space, um, a coffee shop, a tea shop, whatever it might be. And we had looked at dozens of locations. So the only real um, um, requirement that we had was that it had to be in 63301. Uh -huh. We wanted it to be in St. Charles City, someplace within St. Charles. And so we looked at um, 13 different locations trying to get a place, either secure it by lease or buy a building or whatever it was. We tried all over town. This is over the course of how long? Six years, five years. You looked at 13 different places over five or six years? Yeah. And something that's come up, and I, I mean, I say this ad nauseum, but the, the funny thing about Frenchtown is like, and I know you had the same thing because I looked at that building too, right. <laughs> is that there's no for rent sign up. No. I mean, nowhere is there a for rent sign. You have to know someone or you have to you have to know or you have to hear that maybe mm -hmm. they want to rent it or maybe they want to sell it or you just have to knock on the door and go, hey, I noticed there hasn't been anything here for six years. Right. You know. Well, I, I, literally, I ran into my old college roommate from Greenville at the shack in uh, O'Fallon. We were having breakfast. You went there for six months. And yes. And I went, went up to, um, I, I saw him. It was the first time I'd seen him since 1981. And he said, wow. oh. He said, I know you've got, and I had a furniture resale business at the time. He said, um, Oh, I've skipped over Mr. Listed. Oh, that's okay. That was my favorite. <laughs> I, you helped me out so much and so many people. That was <laughs> that was a fun fun gig, too. That was a great idea, that a man. That was a great idea. We don't have to, but. We may relive that at some point. Okay. <laughs> um, but I resurrect Mr. Listed. Um, but I ran into, um, again, my college roommate. He made a mention to me about, um, hey, my, my brother in law's got a business or a building down on Second Street. I think it'd be great for your furniture business and I said well I'd, I'd love to talk to him but I really don't know if I need a, another location for my furniture business so mm -hmm. I got in touch with the business owner talked with him sat down we sat down and talked about the opportunity to to occupy it he'd had an antique store in the business that's right in the building um, that he had closed a couple of years before and kind of was using the building as a um, kind of storage unit really mm -hmm. just a lot of stuff that he had collected and and picked from that's, a lot of different places my farmer's office was a storage unit for antique furniture before I moved in. Packed up, man. Yeah, it that's was, what it was. It was loaded up. I yeah. You walk in the front door and you had to start walking sideways because yeah, it was so full of stuff. Yep. And um, so we talked and I said, you know, hey, I, I really don't want it for my furniture business, but we would really like to open a cafe or a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And he said, man, I grew up a block away from here and I've always dreamt about it being a restaurant. And so we started talking about the details of how it would work. I told him what my business plan said. I could pay for rent. And that worked within what he was looking to do. And so we, we then constructed a lease and started it up. So it worked it worked pretty fast kind of from that point. Once you once you had that connection, it worked fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember going there with Kyle Dent and I'll throw, this is not it never materialized obviously, but I had this dream of doing I don't know why. I had this dream of doing like a fancy like a gourmet hot dog place and mm -hmm. That place is way too big for what we would need, but but I wanted to look at it, and I think he said like, "Oh yeah, so I, I'm talking to someone about it," and I don't know how I got it out of him, but I got your name out of it, and which I was so happy about, you yeah. know, because I mean we had talked about doing that, we, we had talked about you doing that mm -hmm. for a long time, and um, yeah, just trying to get something going in Frenchtown, and you know. You're the, well, Vivian's, do you remember Viv, uh, yeah. great place. No, it was really cool. Vivian's. Vivian's Vineyard. Vivian's Vineyard. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, but they've been gone for eight, um, eight years, nine maybe. years, 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. And so. That was the last food place on Second Street. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're the only. Um, until. Until good news opens. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so it didn't have to be Frenchtown. No, not necessarily. Okay. Uh, but the, the fact that it was, and um, again, having the, the roots with my family, um, Melissa's uh, um, uh, unbelievable vision and trying to, to look at the, the, the building and the location and see what that building could be. It was a wreck on the inside. It really was. I'll tell you, I, I saw it and it's, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's crazy to see it now. And, uh, you know, yeah. but it's such a good, man, I love walking in there and just seeing people in there. It's just a great feeling. I, Not I, as much as you love it, I'm sure. Well, but. It's, it's, it's a blast. I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's incredible now to see what's happened with it. And I get um, a lot of the, the accolades because I'm generally the person out in front. Yeah. But I, I mean, quite honestly, it was 99.5% of Melissa's vision, um, her ideas, her ideas 
ideas on on design, on where things needed to go, on colors, on patterns, on textures, on the way that the, the light fixtures needed to be. Those were all things that she had said and, and created and put together over the course of the, the previous seven or eight years as we as we tried to find a place. She was creating and knew what this place was going to look like in her head. Now, and you know so, Melissa doesn't know how to listen to this podcast, right? It's been, yes, I still need, <laughs> the, I need the brownie <laughs> points. So. No, I'm <laughs> no, I firmly, I, I, I know that. That's, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, and yeah, you're kind of, <clears throat> you're kind of the, the face of it, I guess, right. or, or whatever. But so I um, get, I get a lot of the accolades and I, a lot of times people talk about Mark's restaurant and man, it is, is way, way, way far from that. Yeah. It's, um, she is in the back cooking every single day and has ideas on the way the, the plates want or should look when they come out. The, yeah. the, the food should be designed. And I, I tease all the time. I, I bust the tables and she comes with the ideas. You do. You yeah. bust and you wash dishes and yeah. 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 But that's good. I mean, you know, we talked a little bit before this about um, in our respective businesses, um, working with a lot of potential business owners mm-hmm. um, who uh, who have maybe great ideas, but, but don't just either don't have that vision or haven't thought about it. And that is the difference between I'm not going to say being successful or not because you can be successful mm-hmm. on other things, but I, you know, from an experience standpoint, that's the difference of, of getting, you know, a bite to eat at your place or a cup of coffee versus somewhere else who doesn't put that time and thought and energy. It, it needs to be a good it. experience. Yeah. yeah. You can, All the way through. and you can tell that it's, you can tell that it's thought out. Mm-hmm. You can tell that everything there is by design and, and someone wanted it to be this way. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk about, uh, I had, I had a thought and I lost it. I think, um, let's talk about Emery. So I've, you know, I talked in my last podcast about, and I've mentioned this again about just you being just the nicest and greatest person in the world. Uh, and if anyone wants to, you know, take you on for that, I'd be, you know, it'd be an interesting conversation, but, um, I had, uh, sorry, I'm going to end up editing this. Okay. So, um, okay, let's, yeah, let me scrap. I'm going to edit all that. So let's, let's talk about, so it's a cafe, but, um, something I love, another thing I love is that you, you want your cafe to be successful. You want your place to be successful, Mm -hmm. but you also want St. Charles and specifically Frenchtown to be successful. Yes. And so I had a crazy idea a few months ago <laughs> and uh, I had had this relationship with this band Emery. They've played in St. Charles before. They've played at Driftwood before and I haven't had Pete on yet, but I'll have Pete on and I'll give him his proper praise. But uh, they wanted to come back and I just had this crazy idea that your place would be a great place. And I remember coming up to you and saying, I've got this crazy idea. You can totally say no, but here's what it is. And you immediately said yes. Yes. And uh, I mean, I just like, can you talk about that? And what, I don't know what you expected, what you thought was going to happen. Uh, so to bring everyone up to speed, we hosted a, a rock and roll show. It was acoustic, but this mm-hmm. is a, this is a heavy heavy, pretty heavy band. Like mm-hmm. you would, the untrained ear of someone who didn't listen to the type of music I listen to would say it's like heavy metal. It's not heavy metal, but like, or it's screamo or it's something mm-hmm. like that. Now they played acoustic and, and that, but like, tell me, tell me your pro I've never asked you this, but like, tell me your thought. Like this guy's nuts. Is this really going to happen? Like, what were you, where were you in that? And, and I'll be honest. I, honestly didn't care what kind of what kind of an event that it would be okay I, I knew that if it was something that you wanted to do it wasn't going to be something that was going to get me into trouble so I mean it was going to be something that would at least be cool and fun okay. to be able to get involved in. all right so, I like that so what so if you were interested in trying to put it together I'm like yeah let's let's see it let's make it fly but I knew that it would bring some some recognition and notoriety back to the cafe but also knew that it would be something that would be really 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 cool to do within our community and especially in Frenchtown if we could pull off something like that and get 
a band in and host it in Frenchtown and get 75, 80, 100 people, whatever it would be, yeah. into the cafe to watch the band and to have that whole thing pull the whole thing off, I knew that it would be amazing. And yeah. so I wanted to be a part of it. Heck, I didn't really care if we had to you know, open up the doors or push the tables out to the, the parking lot. I yeah. don't care. We'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to be a part of it. I knew that it would be fun to do. And I, that just, again, that just like encompasses... <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> just who you are and just like I, I just love it that it was like a hell yes right away. And it's like this is you know, this is great. And I just that's I just think that's what makes you um you know, that's what makes you you and that's what makes you so adored by this community, honestly. I don't mean to sit here and kiss your butt the whole time, but I mean, oh, he's wiping his eyes, guys. Uh, I remember you saying, I remember you saying, hey, I want to do a concert. And I said, yes. And you, you go, did. wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me tell you, I go, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Let's just do it. That is true. I almost kind of backpedaled because I was like, when someone says yes that quick, it's like, wait, you don't have all the information. No, let, let me, me, tell, you, here, let me yeah. tell you about the band. Let me, know, no, yes, let's, yeah. let's do it. Anyway, that was awesome, and we're going to do it again. Good. We're going to do it again. Um, well, I think that about where I want to get into, um, do you want to talk about, not politics, but do you want to talk about you in politics? Possibly. What? <laughs> I mean, right now. <laughs> I mean, no, we can talk about it, but possibly in politics. Also. Yeah, yeah. So what's the, what's the, I mean, you'd mentioned it a, a couple times. You have aspirations. Is there a, is there a timeline? Is there a, when we get to this point, what's the. I, and I think the, the my vision experience is kind of what introduced me to the idea of running for some kind of public office. Um, and I don't know that I have ever really sat down and said, I want to be a, a mm. state rep, a, a county councilman, whatever it might be. Um, I know that I would love to serve in that capacity in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and whatever that might be, whether it's at a, a state level, a county level, a city level, in some way, I would love to be involved in the creation or the making of, of policy and helping, again, the community get stronger and better, whether, again, no matter what level that might be. I don't know that I have necessarily a timeline. I had some ideas as to what it might be. The cancer diagnosis threw that off initially. Um, the cafe has changed a little bit about kind of some of the focus and timeline as to what that might be now. Right now, it would be really, really difficult for me to run for a state rep position and be gone for, you know, every you know weekend all the way through Wednesday or Thursday and not help run the cafe. So it would be really difficult to do that. I would say that my eyes are are, are more focused on what I might be able to do somewhere, somewhere within uh, the city limits now, whether that's on a board or a county count or city councilman or something along those lines. So we'll take a look and see what it might be. But I'd love to be involved in some way like that. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it, it fits. And I mean, it's it's just your whole thing of wanting to connect and wanting to help. And yeah. And uh, so good. Um, let's talk. Let's go back. I, you know, I don't have an agenda here or, a, or a, an agenda. I should know what that word is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have one of those. <laughs> uh, and so we'll skip around here. But yeah, let's t let's like let's get let's plug LaBelle V here. Let's okay. give you a commercial here. Like, so what do you like? You kind of talked about what you like about it, but for anyone that doesn't know, which I hope is no one, but what, like, just tell me about it. I mean, it's a, it's a coffee shop, but it's, it's a little more. I mean, yeah. and, and La Belle V, the cafe at Frenchtown is a, which I was calling it the wrong name for La Belle V a year, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The proper French pronunciation is La Belle V. La Belle V. Um, and I don't do it with the, the right accent, <laughs> but um, uh, is, uh, that means the beautiful life or the good life. And um, it is a, a, a breakfast, lunch, um, uh, cafe, um, featuring coffee, um, some specialty drinks and alcohol and some of those things as well. But um, is really a, a breakfast and a lunch place and location. Um, we're open uh, 7 a.m. until 3 every day um, for our, our kitchen. We're open until 5 p.m. every day, but our kitchen closes at 3 o'clock on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Are you open on Mondays? No, closed on Mondays. Okay. Yeah, closed on Mondays. Um, but uh, the, uh, the kitchen closes at 3 o'clock, but we're open then for, um, well, we, we have like a coffee happy hour and an alcohol happy hour in the afternoon, but a lot of uh, Linwood students, a lot of people just come in with their computers and hang out those last couple of hours and, yeah. and work. Um, a lot of people that are, are go back to um, 
the, um, the, the volleyball and, and uh, the courts and stuff behind us. Um, they go back through the Olympia uh, place. Um, a lot of them where the kids are over there practicing or playing games and stuff, they'll come over and hang out with us for a couple hours while their kids are having games or practice and stuff. So um, we do a lot of that you know, inside the cafe. It's um, set up as, a, as a, 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 like a diner, uh, but, but um, a lot of places and stuff to be able to get in and, and with, with great atmosphere and a place to be able to come in and crash for a while. Yeah. And uh, besides the local 636 avocado toast, yes. which we do have a new... Um, it's not really a new item, but we have like a co-branded item mm-hmm. there, which is uh, our first, first for Local 636. So we're going to, not to take over your interview here, but we're yep. going to start doing some co-branding stuff. We're going to start having apparel. Um, we're going to start doing co-branded t-shirts, but our first co-branded menu item is the Local 636 Avocado Toast. I and that's that been first. Yeah, yeah. I, I do too. <laughs> um, so other than that, what do you recommend? Like, what's your favorite menu item there? What, you know, what, give us a couple. Obviously, everything's great. I've tried, I haven't tried everything, but everything I've had has been good. But what, what would be your, we, um, our, our French dip and, mm. and uh, mm-hmm. French onion soup are probably our most popular items. Um, uh, Melissa's family recipe, um, is the, the, uh, the roast beef and it's something that we, we cook overnight and, and slow roast and, um, take a lot of, a lot of prep time and getting the, the French dip put together. That's probably our most popular, uh, regular lunch sandwich, um, um, uh, turkey panini that we do as well is also a big uh, popular one that we do um, being kind of becoming known for our soups and sandwiches we've got a, a roasted red pepper soup and and then a French onion soup um, those are both very very popular along with um, our omelets and crepes we've got a couple of different omelets that we do we have a southwest omelet and an old-fashioned omelet with with milk gravy and uh, those are, are probably our biggest and most popular items I don't know if I knew you had crepes yeah we got uh, um, Nutella crepes and then uh, cream cheese crepes and then we also do a meat and cheese crepe that's really really good as well the crepes uh, is it crepes always reminds me of Talladega Nights Ricky Bobby okay. when he yeah. comes in do you know where I'm going with yes. this then he makes him say I love crepes yes. and he won't do it because he's French yes. and then uh, John C. Riley tries to explain to him well they're just the really thin pancakes okay. and he's like well maybe you can say I love really thin pancakes, pancakes. and he's yeah. like I won't do it I won't do it and he's hey, yeah, I'm going to break your arm and he breaks his arm and yes. it's it's one of the one of my favorite scenes of any movie um you will not get your arm broken but you should go try a crepe yes and so um man thank you for anything else you want to plug anything coming up uh applications for vision are open now so if anybody's interested in <laughs> shameless i'll do that too. just shameless yeah that, absolutely anything with the, anything with that cafe any uh but we did add a couple of new menu items and updated some uh the the menu board when we got back from vacation here so we've got not only the 636 avocado toast um local 636 avocado toast and along with um we we added back our jalapeno popper mm. and so that was a big item and then we took it off for a little while and uh, we just reintroduced that and got that back and so some different salads and wraps and and a whole bunch of different things we're ready to introduce so new stuff on the menu so go check it out uh if people go to la belle v i'm sure they'll see you there stop hang, and say hi hang out there most days and, and work work from the front window a lot of times but that's hang right out there most days yeah man this has been a long time coming i appreciate you coming up and joining me and sorry for the technical difficulties right. but glad we got it in the books thanks man i appreciate it